most wonderful show is Keeping up with the Joneses Mr. Jones Mrs. Jones Episode 267 Whoop whoop Here we are Keeping up with the Joneses It's so cold in here It's it's going to be like that for the next couple of months Yes, but we're actually in the middle of a storm right now Like a legit a snowstorm legit, Yeah, snowstorm yeah. One of the episodes we recorded, we were also in a legit snowstorm I know, that's two this year, that's Tennessee so is, weird I think this is our third snowfall this month like third significant. I think it yeah. is. Yeah. We canceled oh, church on a Monday, remember? Because of no. snow. Mm-mm. I don't remember. Then <laughs> <laughs> the kids went back to school and then we're off for two days because oh, of the right. snowfall. You're and right. Then now, You're so. absolutely correct. Yeah. Say that again, but louder and clearer. <laughs> you got one right, Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Give us our weekly catch up. Do you even remember this well, week? It's, it was. No, no, no. no. It shouldn't take that long. No, it was a great week. Oh, anniversary. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's come right. On. We went away for the weekend. Well, we went away overnight. We went away overnight. It's our seventeenth. We, we went to a hotel in the same city we live in. <laughs> yeah, it's our seventeenth wedding anniversary. Yep. I I got this revelation to start of the year. I'll talk about it later about you know this word from the Lord about you need to learn how to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And then along comes our anniversary, like yeah. really early in the month. So I was like, okay, what are we going to do? Like, COVID numbers are higher than they have ever been <laughs> since it started. Where are we going to go? We can't really go anywhere. The good thing is our kids are old enough that they can kind of watch themselves. Yeah. And I think on paper, it I kind of wrestled with it. It sounds dumb to just go away for a night in the same city that you live in. But what did you think? A, a 24-hour getaway? I loved it. It, just, it felt fun to just be just the two of us for 24 hours and not have to think about either putting somebody to bed or making them food or making sure they did their homework or whatever the deal was. Right. So, yeah. We stayed in bed. I don't think we got out of bed. We had breakfast in bed. We did. R- love room service. Yeah. Didn't get out of bed till like 11.30. Yep. Just and in time for lunch. And only then it was to just, yeah, go upstairs and get some lunch. And then we and came back and just chilled more. Yep. Lots of chilling. Netflix and chill. <laughs> <laughs> we had a great time. Happy we anniversary, did. baby. Thank you, yep. yep. That was the tale of the week. The start of the week, our friend Dan Farley from Redding, California came in. Yep. So great. He was teaching our school in First year on Brave Communication. Yes. I love Dan. Yeah, he's so wonderful. We haven't seen him in three years because of a combination of COVID, COVID shutdown, yeah. him writing a Bible or Bible commentary. Yeah. But great to catch up with Dan. Yeah, it was really good. And then I was teaching in second, I was teaching on feelings. You did? Yeah, I love teaching true. on feelings. That was yep. in second year. Really good. That feels like a long, long time ago. It uh, It was a long week. And it was nice to just get away overnight and just be the two of us. We had a couple's massage. We did. Yeah. We had a couple of so, massage. Yeah. And now here, I, I I think she put her full elbow. I mean, she was like, what, five foot two? <laughs> yeah, tiny. But good God. You know, and she said, you know, what kind of pressure do you like? And I was like, I like it firm. And a couple of times. You said I intense. To, yeah. A couple of times like, I had to get her to back off. Yeah. I would never tell a massage therapy. A therapist, I like intense. Well, uh, what I realized is I like intense on my shoulders, but everywhere else, like she's doing whatever muscle that is there. I don't have a muscle there. So I'm like, lady, if you're digging for for muscle, it ain't there. It ain't there, like, so back off. Yeah, that, so, yeah, it was really nice. nice to be home. We had to cancel church. We did. Because of... The potential for snow, which I'm glad we did because... We woke up and we woke up and it was... Tons of snow. And we're getting more. Hey, we got something exciting. We're going to be launching a brand new course in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. It's all about how to fix your finances and position yourself to live under the blessing that God has for you. Stay tuned till after the main topic, and we'll tell you how you can get more information about that. But AJ, talk about our main topic. Yeah. 
So this episode is being released on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to actually have a friend on to talk about Dr. King and the significance of his life. So we've had our friend Remington come on this week and talk about him. All right, let's play the interview. We are releasing this episode on Martin Luther King Day. I think it's called that, MLK Day, Dr. Martin Luther King Day, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I mean, I'm sure he's fine. (laughs) (laughs) We've got a special guest I'm going to introduce in a second. But some of you might be thinking, hey, Jones, this is maybe the first time in the history of the podcast you've (laughs) synchronized an episode to match an event. Because AJ and I always forget to do like Father's Day or Mother's Day episodes. Here's here's where we're doing this episode. At the start of the year, I always like to go before the Lord and ask the Lord for a word for Alan. Like, Lord, what's the word that I can cooperate with? And this year, the Lord said, I actually want you to spend time, energy, and money learning how to celebrate. Mm. So I got out of my calendar, and I looked up all the events that are happening. Like in our family, I've got a 15-year-old, a 14-year-old turning 15, a 12, turning 13, a 9-year-old turning 10. AJ and I are just, just celebrated our 17th. Uh, wedding anniversary, tons to celebrate. And I right there, I saw MLK Day. And I have got a short history, which I'll cover in a second. But the long, the short, long version of it is when I moved to America, I was introduced to all of these holidays I knew nothing about. Like I had no historical connection, no emotional connection. So, I mean, the comedy is when we started, I don't know if you remember this, when we uh. had the Moore Conference, we'd run it on Memorial Day weekend. I do remember and not and not know. <laughs> we would have school on Labor Day. And yeah. people were like, technically that's illegal, you know? <laughs> and and I remember um being challenged about like, why do you have school on Martin Luther King Day? And I remember that like what I knew about uh, you know Dr. King yep. would fill a thimble. Mm. Literally what I knew was that I have a dream yeah. speech on only because it was on the Microsoft Encyclopedia. Come from <laughs> the UK. And so I had to study a little bit in our civics um uh, a civics exam for our yeah. citizenship, but I realized, okay, now I'm an American. I actually want to know. I kind of want to fast track on what I have missed out on culturally. Like, mm. so you know, when Thanksgiving happens, I ask people, "Well, like, what are we supposed to do?" <laughs> and I didn't want to read. I have read the Wikipedia article, yeah, and I have watched movies, and I have <laughs> been reading books, but I didn't want to just regurgitate what I learn in, like, you know. Mm. couple of months yeah. i was like i actually want to have someone on the podcast yeah. who has got a rich history mm. with dr martin luther king and dr martin luther king day yeah and uh learn from you oh. and so ladies and gentlemen it gives me great pleasure to introduce our friend remington oh and remington why don't you tell the people like like brief synopsis of you like who are you where are you yeah. from what do you do how do we meet you know so, what's your connection to yeah. us I feel um, I'm so happy to be here. I'm really glad we're doing this. I feel I'm, I can't wait to hear how it sounds to have your Scottish accent with my southern drawl. I can't wait. It's going to be really cool. When, whenever we have conversations, which you'll testify to, yeah. we frequently stop and comment on the way we say yes, things. Yes, we do. And we have expressions that each yeah, other don't that have. We, that we don't know. Yeah. yeah. Like, what did I just say upstairs? You just said something upstairs about green, red and green don't touch without something in yeah, between. Yeah, red and green should never be seen without something in between. I've never heard that in my life. I don't know. It's straight from heaven. But right. I digress. Continue. <laughs> so, my name is Remington, and I am a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant for schools. That is my job, but I am, uh, how? who am I? I am a black man from the south uh i grew up in tennessee 
West Tennessee, Jackson, and I came to uh, Nashville for college. Um, I went to Vandy. Now, uh, I'm going to stop you right there because you said stuff that's going to mean stuff to people who live locally here. We have an international audience mm. who are going to not, not not might not know what our racial and diversity, you know, any of those words, and they might not know the significance of Vanderbilt. Yeah. So okay. would you just explain what that is in a nutshell? Pretend I'm not from here yeah. and I'm five and use small words, okay. right? So when I talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, being a consultant for schools, um, that means I help schools who are having issues with race relations or serving different populations that aren't white and serving them well. I help people with that. I'm a former um, classroom teacher, and I come from a long line of teachers. My grandma was a teacher. My mom is still a teacher. Um, and so, you know, I used to teach in the classroom, but uh, God called me to start my own consultancy and start talking with educators and all kinds of people about the impacts of race in the United States and how that has um, affected all of our history. And so, like, it's really cool to be here on this platform talking about MLK Day. You gave, a, I remember one time we hung out and you were telling me, give me some examples of what you did. Mm -hmm. And this is, I understand this is a gross oversimplification, <laughs> but this one little example you gave me was like, I, I now understand what that means, uh -huh. is helping perhaps a predominantly white school understand perhaps why some of their examples or, or teaching examples or cultural values that we would point to as examples might not translate well to people who are not white. Right, exactly. In really practical terms. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the, that's the nitty gritty of it, you know, helping Super people helpful. with policies and even, you know, down to classroom rules or the ways that we celebrate certain things, you know, that may not translate across um, lines of culture that are not white people. So, yeah. Beautiful. And then Vanderbilt, you, you can pick up yourself. Vanderbilt's <laughs> a big deal. Yeah, that's that's funny because I didn't know Vanderbilt was a big deal when I went there. And so that was another thing that didn't translate across cultural lines for me. Um, right. So, yeah. So like growing up um, in Tennessee and, you know, doing well in school, like I loved school and I thought it was like pretty natural to like school and be good at it. And then, you know, once I got into Vanderbilt, everybody that I told during that summer, like, oh, I'm going to Vanderbilt. They were like, oh, my goodness, congratulations. So I had to look it up, too. So yeah. if you don't know it's it was a very it's very highly ranked university um and i got my undergrad degree from there in education and at the time they were the number one education school in the world and i'm i assume they're probably still top oh, they're, they're a big deal it's a yeah. big, big significant deal. important school with a rich history yeah all right so exactly. you're credentialed up to the eyeballs <laughs> i think it's important people know that you know what you're talking about yeah yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's valuable and, and i wanted our audience to understand that yeah and from a from a professional stance like yes but i think also from my personal stance which i think is like a part of the messaging right now mm -hmm. about race in the united states that's really hard is like there is a very personal experience that people need to be allowed to speak to and speak through mm -hmm. and there's a professional side mm -hmm. and so like a lot of the folks that i've worked with have really talked about how i do a good job combining the two right and so yeah that's a good thing to that would out. be my experience hanging out with you yeah just in the times that you know you've helped me bridge the gap of things i don't see mm. and maybe we'll get into some of that I don't oh know. we i'm sure we will <laughs> and so we met through eminent we did we did yeah are we uh, uh like i mean i must i've been here 13 years emanate's been running for like 12 and a half oh wow 
Okay. You were fairly early on in the Amity crew, yeah, I, I seem was, to remember. Uh, and, you know, I remember you walking up to me. I, I don't know why I've never forgotten this, but, like, oh, you God. asked me. It's no, an it's Alan a good story. Thing. It's great. <laughs> it's you, an Alan story from my past. <laughs> I'm buckling up. All right, go. <laughs> you, um, I think it's just, like, after an Emanate service, and I yeah. just, like, walked up and just introduced myself. You had probably spoken, and you asked me if I'd done the school. And it was ironic because, like, I hadn't been at Emanate for very long. Yeah. And so I wasn't super familiar with the culture of Emanate or Grace Center. Yeah. And a lot of people had asked me if I had done the school. Yeah. And I think you were the first person who I asked, like, why did you ask me that? Like, yeah. I said, you know, like, what what does that, you're, you're not the first person to ask that. And I'm picking up that it means something. Mm-hmm. And your response was, you just strike me as a very healed up person. And I was like, oh, oh nice. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Okay. It's a great story. Yeah. It was okay, a great, I told you it was a great story. <laughs> okay. Good, good. One of the things I was most curious about is I had this minuscule knowledge of who Dr. King was. Minuscule. Which is mind blowing to me when right. you said it. I was like, oh, but it makes sense. I would imagine everybody in America when they go through school will learn that. Like my yeah. kids learned that in elementary school. They would come home and they would, you know, tell me, uh, you know, this is who Dr. King was and this is what he did. And, yeah. But in, it'll come as a huge shock. In Britain, we don't do American history. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> so when I got here, I was like, he did something to fight racism, right? Yeah. But I couldn't tell you the era he was in uh-huh. or. How he died. I didn't even know he was a Christian Baptist minister. Yeah. Like, didn't, didn't yep. know. So I'm imagining you and I had very different <laughs> experiences of that. And I am curious if you have any stories around, you're a young boy, you're mm-hmm. growing up in Jackson, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when you became aware of who Dr. King was and his significance? So that's a, I feel like that's a really interesting question for me as a, a black person like i don't know if i know many stories of black people becoming aware of dr martin luther king so like especially with me growing up in the south i am acutely aware every day that the history of this soil is like rooted in things that are not for me you know like the whole the whole reason that dr martin luther king is celebrated is because of how America was established. And so I have known to look out for racism and exclusion all of my life. Like from, I, right. I would say it's early as kindergarten. So like, I don't remember a time not needing to know about Dr. King. Like it didn't come into my learning. I was born into that. You know? you, so you never remember like, like my kids, Probably can't tell you because I can't remember. I can tell you, <laughs> like you know, second grade. Yeah. They came home. I'm like, Daddy, do you know who Dr. King is? Uh-huh. Do you know what he did? Uh-huh. You know, this is what we're going to do. On you know, I remember that they didn't know it, and then they learned it in class. Mm-hmm. And you're just saying I was aware of him. I d- tell me how. Like what? What you know? Family stories mm-hmm. talked about at home. H- help me bridge that gap. I think. Um Uh, Gosh, and maybe I'm not, I don't know if I'm remembering this correctly, but I also would assume that in our house, every Martin Luther King Jr. Day, like the, someone airs the, I have a dream speech, which is like what a lot of Americans, especially white Americans know about Martin Luther King Jr. But then also I would assume that in, in school, when it's brought up, 
it impacts me differently as a black boy because chances are and like you know being a former teacher a lot of black content in schools is not taught until january or february and only in january and february for martin luther king day and um mar and and black history month and so i would imagine that when january rolls around the first time this comes up in my curriculum it is probably the first time i've seen a black person in a book at school and so like because they are not in they're not in the curriculum in the united states and so i would i feel like when that was introduced it first and foremost like i'm drawn to oh wow like there's a person that looks like me who made it in a book and so i'm gonna certainly read this chapter i may not have read the homework for the last (laughs) two or three weeks but i'm gonna read this chapter and then i also you know for me in particular knowing I knew at an early age, not kindergarten, but like I knew at a very early age that God had called me to talk about race and help to heal racial wounds specifically Mm. in the United States. So I think it was an easier transition for me to latch on to Dr. King and kind of say, oh, this is what God's talking about. This is Here is a model Here's a of model. what I feel God's talking to me about. Yeah. And so, like, I think it just became very natural to me in particular. How old are you when this begins, when you begin to have an awareness of the Holy Spirit drawing you towards someone? How old are you? The earliest I remember, it's either first or third grade. Um, There was, there was. What age is first grade? Six. Six. Six you. years old. Yeah. And so, like, I just remember going to, I I think I went to a majority black elementary school, but because of the way um, academic tracking works in the United States, like, you are placed in classes based on how you perform on tests. Like, if you're, there was like a smart class or an honors class. And one of the ways that race still shows up subliminally in the United States history is that if you are in honors classes, it's majority white kids, whether you go to a majority black school or not. Mm. And so a lot of my friends were white children. And I think I noticed like, so the times where we would go to recess and lunch when it's like the whole grade versus me just being a part of my class. Like I look around the cafeteria and I'm like, Oh, like the rest of the first grade does not look like my class. Like, it's a majority black people. And so um, I recognized that and I may not have known whether it was good or bad, but I knew that there was some kind of separation. There was a reason why I wasn't with the rest of the black kids and they were all together. You know, what do you remember? And maybe you're having to look back and attach a thought to it. Yeah. Both are fine. Do you remember what that did in your heart? Do you remember what you remember thinking? Like, we often try and find meaning yeah. when we spot difference. Yeah. Do you remember what the meaning was for you? I think there were a lot of meanings. The one that immediately comes to my mind that I think I've been aware of for a really long time, since a very young age, is like, this has, for a large part of my life, felt like a burden. Like What's this? The being one of few black people in the midst of white people when there are other black people to be with. 
That feels like a burden. That has always felt like a burden to me. And ex- like exclusion or even rejection at times of like, why can't I be one of the black boys or one of the, you know, like, yeah. And, you know, I even remember as early as fourth grade coming from Jackson is like a, a small town. Um, I think it's like maybe 200,000 people. Like it's small compared to Memphis and Nashville. And, um, it was, I lived out in the country. Like we say, we live in the boondocks. Like I live between two cornfields, but the school that I went to also bust kids from the city and every kid that got off the bus from the city was black and none of them were in my class. So I'm like, Oh, but like, why can't I go with the other black people? You right. know? And so, so sense of belonging and separation. Yeah. 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 At the same time. And so like, and I think that kind of, also adds to that idea of like it's not the awareness is more progressive it's not a moment it's the putting together of all right. these little things you know right yeah yeah so it wasn't like Ding! it is like you're, you're you're going through and you're collecting these differences yeah. and coming to awareness and do you remember exploring those at home um like mom you know why this why why that so gosh, I feel I feel like there's so much there's so much here. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell the story the way it's resonating in me right yeah. now. So like I was raised by my great grandmother, um, and she was I'm gonna go with sixty two when I was born, and so she was my primary parent, and so like I am just recently realizing how different my childhood was having access to somebody that age versus like whatever age my mom or dad would have been at the time. Yeah. And so because we grew up poor, you know, living out in the boondocks and uh, we, we were on welfare as a kid. And so like government assistance, my great grandmother, great grandmother received food stamps and welfare money to help take care of us. Cause she was obviously too old to work. We, a part of like getting approved for getting those services was that people had to come to our house once or twice a year and like interview my great grandmother on what she's doing with the money, like taking it. Are you actually using to take care of the kids? Like, how are you spending it? X, Y, Z. And so I kind of was, I was kind of forced to pick up that too, because she was always so tense when those meetings came up. And so, and, and the person who came to do those interviews was always a white person. And so like, I would hear things like, oh, the white, a white woman's coming to our house tomorrow. I got to make sure everything is clean and I need you to go in your room and play and I got to talk to the white woman. I got to talk to the white woman. All of that is having meaning. All 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 of that that has meaning. Yeah. That's, that's just by osmosis. It has meaning. Yeah. And I, you know, I remember being. I don't even think school age like I I specifically remember sitting in the living room playing with some Power Ranger toys. And then all of a sudden I had to go to the room because the white woman was coming, you know. Mm -hmm. And so like there is just so much in the experience of race for me as a black person. Mm -hmm. It's never not present somehow, some way. So we're staying with your childhood. Mm -hmm. Do you remember how Dr. King was remembered as you're a child. Like, so you're a child, MLK Day comes around. Do you remember how he was remembered 
Like what? Like uh, easier way of saying is that what did what did MLK Day look like for you in your home when you were a kid? The only thing that I remember specifically about the day is that the I Have a Dream speech was on all day. And like it was the background of the entire day. And I, you know, I was a kid. I don't know how long it played, but it was on the living room TV. We had a huge box television that just like sat on the ground and it just played all day. And also like the whatever radio stations that we listen to, because obviously like we're listening to radio stations that have black DJs and that are geared toward black people. So I get in the car. They're even playing spirituals and civil rights movement songs on the radio that day and so you know there there i guess there was all these subliminal moments of reflection and reverence that i have not thought about in this way before this conversation you know right as in it was my norm so you're asking me to go back and point out something that was it's like somebody saying hey you know what what color was your carpet growing up? You're right. like, hang on, let me, let me, you know. it was always <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, it was just there, you know? Yeah. And was there, I don't want to be flippant and asking this question. Yeah. I'm, I'm really not. But what I've learned is fireworks go with 4th of July, mm-hmm. you know, hamburgers go with Memorial Day, mm-hmm. and turkey goes with Thanksgiving. <laughs> was there anything that would go with MLK Day? Not that, like, not something so tangible that I remember, but like the speech and the even they would play like throughout the day the radio announcement or the television announcement of Dr. King's assassination. And so, like, wow. there were, it was on a constant loop for 24 hours. And so, like, if I had to say what is the thing that goes with that day, it's the speeches it's the marches like i have seen that all of my life you know and didn't didn't really recognize it because like you know i've one of the things that obviously i've had to talk about a lot in the last few years is black lives matter movement george floyd like all of the um all the protests and things of that nature and my white friends and colleagues feel like this is unprecedented but to me, it's like, oh, no, we I've been watching this since I was little. Like, this isn't new, right. you know? And so, like, yeah, when when America does not treat us well, we take to the streets and, and right. you know, make it known. Yeah. And so, yeah, I would say freedom fighting is what goes with uh, MLK Day to me. Do you, do you remember, like, a, you, family talking about it? Like, adding... I don't mean adding value. I mean adding meaning or like anybody explained to you, this is what that was or it was just. It was very apparent. Like, you know, it was very apparent. Like when he, and I don't, I'm thinking, I keep seeing the, there's a, um, the way that the speech is recorded on video is it goes between a tight shot of Dr. King giving the speech and a large shot of the number of people who were there. Mm -hmm. And I honestly think that in my mind, there is no difference between that, um, that video. And when I watch like a presidential inauguration, like, and I would be, I would be interested if I could even tell you how long it took me to understand that Martin Luther King Jr. was dead. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if I understood that in the first few years of knowing because he was 
always present. present. Yeah. <gasps> he was always present. So, like, I don't know if I understood that he was dead when I was, you know, when I was watching. Because wow. it because what he was saying was still the experience that, you know, like, it wasn't the same. I guess if we take a specific line from the speech, little black boys and little black girls will be able to run through the streets or hold hands in the streets or whatever. I was very aware in the first grade that adults got some tense feelings when I was friends with a white girl. And so for him to be speaking about this, and maybe the only reason I knew it wasn't present is because it's in black and white, to see, to hear him saying that and still know that I am experiencing what he was talking about however many years ago that there's something to that that too, made it you know? present not historical right. yeah it's not historical yeah <laughs> yeah it, that's fascinating remington yeah like d- hearing that like i don't i don't think i even knew he was dead mm, yeah i don't think I, I i don't know when i found out he was actually dead because he was speaking to my experience right exactly so as you've grown up right and certainly with what you do now as a profession <laughs> how has what Dr. King did, what he stood for, what he's known for, influenced or informed what you do or how you think or, you know, how you are. Like the civil rights movement. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm feel like I'm coming to this understanding and this revelation while mm-hmm. we're having this conversation, the civil rights movement and those images and the purpose and the spirit of that time has never a day in my life been outside of my body that I can remember. Like it is in me. It is who I am because it didn't fix it. Like it didn't fix the problem. Mm -hmm. And so like when it comes to working, I'll give you an example, like working with the school, like one of the most tangible things that a school that has majority white, you know, kids, families, administration, one of the things that they'll grab onto is like, oh, should we do a black history program or how should we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King? And in that sense, what maybe not what he did, but the way we have frozen what he did in time and uplifted him in a way that is like almost a shrine, Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of responsibility and actionability out of people's hands today because there is a holiday because it's like oh we're we're being reverent we're being honorable but we're also still being racist and it's just like (laughs) come on man like that's not the point like you know and so there there is the action is not there a for effort (laughs) you know like missing the mark of what you you missed the mark good swing and a miss like you know i get it good good swing but like the things that we need to be doing are not being done. But for some reason, we still stop and pat ourselves on the back on January 15th. Mm. And it's like, and I think it kind of gives people this, um, this, this out to be like, oh, well, look how far we've come. And a story that, gosh, that I will never forget. So when I was teaching, this was maybe four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. I was teaching at a school that served 98% black and brown kids. But I would say the staff 
of our school network and so it was a charter school so like we had like three three or four schools in our network at the time across two states i would say the composition of our network wide employees teachers admin everything 85 percent white 90 percent white and so at some point someone decides okay well we're serving all of these black and brown kids and the majority of our staff is white, but because there's a teacher shortage and like it's just hard to recruit black and brown teachers, we need to start doing something in the interim until we can recruit people who look mm-hmm. like our kids. And so one of the bright ideas is that in the summer, the first day that we come back for professional development, we're all going to get on a bus, drive to Memphis and go to the Civil Rights Museum. And so like. And it was a mandatory, like it was a mandatory trip to go. And so it was, we, we met at the school and you could just feel all the black people trying to get in one place and just be like, <laughs> y'all. And like, you know, we, we call this the, the cookout or the caucus whenever there's like, you know, you could be in a room, it'd be a thousand people in there. The two black people, their eyes are going to meet and we're going to be like, Ooh, you know, we're, we see each other, you know, like it may not be a lot of us in here, but we're going to we're going to pull through this thing. And so, you know, the whole ride there, black people together are just kind of talking like, yeah, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. Because like, what are you feeling in that moment? That. This is another reverence moment. As soon as y'all leave this exhibit, we're going to go right back to racist schooling. And we certainly did. Right. Nothing ever came of it. And so the me and uh, one of my good friends who was in school leadership at the time, another black man, we walked in and I'm, you know, I'm from Jackson. It's like an hour from Memphis. And I think I had been to the Civil Rights Museum one time in my entire life. And I found out on that day that we went as a staff. Why? Like we there was a, a room. They They did it in in section so they were like okay we're going to take 40 staff members and a tour guide is going to give you a tour of the first room then when y'all move to the first room we'll take the next 40 go in the second room and so me and my friend go in the same group and the first room is this white room completely white and it just has black and white pictures with a plaque on uh and those are the exhibits and so there was probably 15 pictures around and it was things like this is uh indentured servants working out in the cotton field or this is the first cotton gin or what and it's like or Emmett Till was killed on this day and this was the picture of him in his casket and so I probably got to picture seven and in my head I go this isn't history this is the news like this is just what's happening and me and my friend we caught eyes And we said, we out. And we just left. Mm -hmm. I was like, I refuse to look at the difficult times, the, you know, like I refuse to behold my ancestors like this in front of you when you don't get it. And you're not even like trying to get it. It's like, what what were they not getting that this is happening today? They're looking at going, this is a relegated thing to the past. Exactly. They're like, oh my goodness, I didn't know that such and such died this way or such i'm like well you know tamir rice just died like this last week Mm -hmm. so like you know what what do you mean 
and so it was just i remember it was just too much me and my friend we skipped like we left that first room and we both wanted to actually see because like a part of the museum is that they have preserved the hotel room that dr king was shot in Mm. and that's what we wanted to see and we both we walked straight up to the end of the um exhibit and we just both kind of stood in front of that exhibit and i know i felt the spirit of dr martin luther king like and it just felt like a moment to actually lay him to rest in a way that wasn't a spectacle the mm. fact that it was just me and this other person who really gets it and we kind of exchanged a couple of words and said a little private prayer in our head and was like okay i feel like we we're done like and you know we just kind of went about our lives walked around a little plaza or whatever for the rest of the time mm. that everybody else was touring but like that was such a traumatic experience to be forced to go watch people watch something so sacred to you and not even have the ability to express what these things mean to you or what they should mean to the other people you know Mm. so i ask you how is doctor in your work in your life now as a grown man Mm -hmm. how has his life his legacy his values influenced you and you go straight to that story Mm -hmm. so there's huge amounts of meaning in there Where does Dr. Martin King's life legacy, like, you told me that story for a reason. Yeah. And I don't want to miss the reason. Yeah. Tease out for me what pushed that story out. I think what is attached to that particular story is like, for some reason, to most Americans, his legacy lives in the past. And that is not the case for black people who need rights now and so like to be in the place where he was where he did all of his work where everything happened and then also to be living in the future that he prophesied that didn't come true like it it lets me know that there is so much work to do there is there's so much work to do And it has to be done in the heart. It can't be done by marching alone. It can't be done by even like one of the the hardest things about the civil rights movement was that black people put their humanity on display. And the response from white America is we don't care. Fire hose dogs. And so like, in our culture, in black culture, they is a very relationship-based culture. There is nothing anyone can give you that's more important than the heart. And for us to put everything we had on the line during the civil rights movement and we're still met with resistance. And then the moment Dr. King died, it all stopped. It just says that there is so much for us to do. Like this holiday is not enough. It's not the goal. It's not the finish line. Like, I think if I could, if I could should on us for a moment, like somebody should have passed the torch at that moment, you know, Mm. like it shouldn't have faded into, into black. It shouldn't have just gone away. And so I think, that is what drives me now is that somebody has to do it 
because mm-hmm. it hasn't been done. Mm-hmm. You know, he got as far as he got, and then white people killed him. <laughs> so it's like, well, all right. And so we, it's, there's so much to be done. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. Yeah. It's Martin Luther King Day. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I don't know when you're listening to this, but yeah. <laughs> it's released. Can you think of some things that we could practically do on Martin Luther King Day that would not just honor his legacy, you know, and like feel good, but help nudge the needle forward, bring meaningful change? I think this is the question of our generation, right? For black people ever since the murder of Tamir, uh, of uh, Trayvon Martin, but for white people ever since the murder of George Floyd, the question has been, that has been on the table. What do we do? Mm. So, you know, every client that I do an intake interview with everybody who reaches out to me during social through social media, that is their, that's their overarching question. Like, what do we do? And I don't think it is the most immediate question we should be asking. A couple of questions come to mind. How did we get here? Um, I think is a more salient question or, you know, what am I doing that goes against Dr. King's dream, whether intentional or not, like this is about impact. If I had to give an action, I would say like, you need to talk to a black person and listen, like don't come and say, I listened to this podcast and they told me to talk to a black person. Here's what I think. <laughs> like I thought, I thought I was being so good by celebrating Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I, I donate to charities. I volunteer at the YMCA. Da, da. Like, no, go and ask some of these like deeper questions. Like I've got a um, project going on right now with an organization and they are like, they came to me and said, and this is an organization of all white people. And they came to me and said, we, Rec- like we've read all the stuff we're supposed to read we've watched all the movies we're supposed to watch and we have come to the conclusion that it's not enough like he's and they hired me to give them an experience that answers this question like mm-hmm. what else should we do and so uh they had kind of three rotations of assignments for me and each one got progressively more difficult and the final question that's on the table for them right now is go to a person of color preferably a black person who you feel close to that you have good relationship with and ask them how do i help or hinder your cause and just listen and so like I think it's stuff like that. It's not about putting on another march, building another institution, donating a library. It's about us. It's about our hearts. Mm-hmm. And like, you can't like, and I, I think Alan, you know this very well as someone who teaches people how to access the heart and feelings. Mm-hmm. We are not very good at it until we're taught. And so like, we have to, kind of go into this with a sense of humility that there is something someone close to me is going to see in my heart that I can't see. And so I think that's the heart of that question is like, how does the way I show up impact you in a way that I might not be aware of? Say that again, because I'm going to write that down. We're going to put in the show notes because that is a great question. How does the way that I show up impact you in a way that I might not be aware of? You've got to be very brave to ask that question. Right. 
and you've got to be even stronger to not defend yourself when you hear the answer come back yeah it's hard like yeah. i'm not it is not easy by any means no it's 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 a a better thought out better structured question than the one i teach which is you know how how do you experience me mm. and all i know is <laughs> you better be prepared for the answer <laughs> and you you know you might not like it or you or or don't like i don't think anybody if if this is like your first foray into race relations or a question like this you're not ready for the answer because mm. it's gonna it's chances are it's gonna hurt and and that's okay like be prepared to not be prepared you know whatever it means for you to take care of yourself after hearing something that's difficult to hear have that on speed dial because it, you're gonna need it chances mm. are but that's like that's where we start all right so the monday martin luther king day mm -hmm. find a person of color mm -hmm. preferably black and ask them that question. One that you have good relationship yeah. Yeah. with. Don't just ask an old body now. <laughs> oh. And if you don't have any, that's another question. Mm -hmm. Huh. How did it get this way? Mm -hmm. How did I allow this? You know? It's hard questions. I feel like I'm full. <laughs> I feel like I've eaten this beautiful, rich food. Mm. And I'm wondering... Because you just dropped a bomb. You dropped some challenge for us. <laughs> I'm wondering if you pray for our listeners. Yeah. Pray for us. Pray for the Spirit of God to help us see what we don't see, yeah. can't see, might not want to see. Yeah. Uh, would you do that for us? I, I will. Thanks, Remington. <sighs> Lord, we thank you for every uh, everything under the sun. Lord, we know that you have brought us here today, tomorrow, whenever people are listening. Nobody's here on accident. You've brought us all to um, keeping up with the Joneses for a purpose. You brought me here for a purpose. You brought Alan and I together for a purpose. And um, I know for a fact that it is a part of God's plan for um, people to experience freedom. Um, I know for a fact that it is a part of God's plan for America to be able to be an example of how to love people well regardless of difference and i just pray right now that everybody under under my voice and under your reach of the holy spirit would be quickened would be moved in the way that you have for them to set forth and fulfill that promise that you have given us lord the the promises that um dr king prophesied in his speech which I honestly believe we're straight from God's, you know, straight from God's mouth and out of Dr. King's mouth. Um, and I just pray strength and vulnerability, love and compassion for all of our listeners to be able to ask these hard questions and do the work to um, heal and help others heal when they receive the answer. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Dr. Remington. <laughs> Bishop Remington. All right. Uh, where can people get more of you if they want more of you? Where are you on social media? Tell us how people can get in Gosh, touch. I have so much. Let me think about how, where I want where I want to send people. So um I I think I'm I'm most accessible in terms of just daily posts and access on Instagram. Uh, so my Instagram is Remington underscore RHC, which stands for Remington Holt Consulting. Um and that will just kind of be your um Gateway. Gateway drug. Yeah, that's your gateway drug. It's like just low level kind of 
reminders and quotes and yeah. things that just kind of stir you on the daily. Yeah. But um, I also have a another project called Take a Seat Race Talks. Um, and that is on YouTube. And it is just me sitting down having conversations with white people very similar to this. Yeah. And uh, it's I from all of my white friends, I've heard that they've learned so much from those conversations. So I'll put a link in the show notes to both of those things. For sure. So take a seat, race talks. And then if you are a school or an organization that is wanting to um, talk to me about perhaps being able to help you develop um, equity and diversity goals and metrics and just culture for your workplace and the things that you're doing um remington-holt.com is my website and you can just fill out a contact form and somebody from my team will get back to you and we'll get something together dude thank you so much you're welcome thanks for giving up your time to come and be with us today yeah it was great this was good cultural sensitivity training do people say happy martin luther king day uh maybe i don't know (laughs) I don't know if they do or not. That was so gentle. So that's a no. That's a that's a negatory good buddy. Understood. Like when black people we see each other on MLK Day, we walking head hell high. We know what's going on today. Like we just okay. feel it. You so know? You, you don't need a happy MLK Day. No, All we right. don't. But that don't mean you know some other people might not. I can't tell. I don't know. I don't make the rules. <laughs> okay. There you go. That's my that's my cultural addition. <laughs> As an immigrant to this country. There you go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Big thank you to Remington for coming on the podcast mm-hmm. today. Really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mr. Jones. Yes. You have a course coming out. Yeah, we do. Been hard at work creating a course for about, well, about five years. But the last year we've been putting it together, filming it, and getting ready to create it. Because we know, just from speaking to our listeners, just in chatting and reading comments and just being around people, we know that you, that Christians, they want to live with all that God has for them. Yes. But sometimes it's hard to know how to do that, especially when it comes to really practical things like finances, because it feels like everybody's got an opinion or a teaching or a viewpoint on whether that's tithing or giving or prosperity or abundance. Yes. And it's really hard to know who to trust, who to follow. Yes. I think one of the consistent pieces of feedback we've got over the years is that the one of the gifts on our life is to be able to cut through the clutter yes. and just give clear, concise biblical teaching. And it's a journey that we've been on. We've been on this journey where God has been leading us into an understanding of blessing and of abundance. And we have taken everything we really know, and not just know, but lived out, battle-tested, and put it together in a video course. I love that you said battle-tested. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? Because we know what it's like Mm -hmm. to live in debt, like just incredible debt and mm-hmm. be doing everything you know to do and be doing everything right. Correct. And still it feels like nothing's shifting yet. Mm-hmm. And the pressure of that is mm-hmm. astronomical. But then about five years ago, mm-hmm. something really radically shifted for us. Yes. And I remember when it happened. I remember the year before it happened because the Lord was really speaking to me about it. And it it felt like, it didn't feel like the Lord was taunting us But just the very fact he was inviting us to think about the things that were causing us so much pain Mm. felt unkind, only to find 12 months later the Lord 
answered answered yeah. the questions that he was asking of us. And really, for the last five years, he's uh, changed our outlook, changed our finances, changed our circumstances quite radically. Yes. And we want to give away everything that we've been given yeah. to. Yeah. Just practically talk about yeah. what did we find? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've taken all that the Lord's taught us. We've put it into a course. And here's how we do it. You sign up, you register for the course. Step two is you just watch the videos each week. Step three is you join with us uh, for live calls for as long as the course lasts, where we get to answer your questions, where we get to talk through that week's teaching, maybe help with some specifics. Uh, yeah, help with specifics. Call, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then you get to prepare yourself for the blessing and the abundance that you were called to live under. So here's what I want you to do go to alanandaj.com slash more to sign up to be notified when the course launches. We'll send you an email with all the information you need to know so you can stop living with lack and instead partner with heaven to live with more than enough. That website again, alanandaj.com slash more. If you want the show notes for today's show, go to alanandaj.com slash 267. If you want to ask us a question, we got a great question next week's episode. Okay. All about teaching your kids about pornography. That sounds weird. Okay. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Protecting your kids yeah, against pornography. Thank you. Might That's be a better, better. way to say it. Yeah, yeah. But if you want to ask us a question, go to alanandaj.com slash ask. And if you want to watch the video episode for this week, and if you want to get a discount on the course I just talked about, you can become a member from as little as a dollar an episode. To learn more about membership and all the perks, go to alanandaj.com slash join. We'll see you next week. Bye. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games, paleo donuts and the kindness of God, the things we deal with every day, from Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me, Alan and AJ, keeping up with the Joneses, If you are a human being, there's something here for everyone.